Um, now let's talk to somebody who, who thinks that Alberta pension plan would be a good idea. We're going to speak with Jack Mintz now, who is with the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary. Um, Jack, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, first of all, let me, what, what is your role in all of this? I, I know you wrote the piece in the National Post arguing in favor of the government plan. It was the government who reached out and sort of facilitated this interview with us. So are, are, are you working for the government on this effort or are you just uh, an interested citizen? What is your role here? Uh, well, actually, I, I'm not working for the government on the issue. Uh, although when I chaired the Economic Recovery Council, uh, we did, I did have uh, uh, an early uh, look at the Morneau um, uh, Chappelle or yeah. now LifeWorks, LifeWorks report, and uh, and so I, you know, I did, I did, I did read an early version, but I never actually participated in. Uh, analysis or discussion uh, of it in in that sense. Gotcha. Okay. Um, to me, uh, the beginning and the end of all of this conversation has to be the the, the third of a trillion dollars. The report and, and your column talk about Alberta walking away from the CPP with more than $330 billion, more than half of all the money available in that fund. Do you really think that's reasonable? That's something that Albertans can make an informed decision if that's our starting point, Jack? Uh, yes, I think so. Um, and it may be that there'll be some better calculations because there are some data issues that I can talk about later on. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, the legislation is is what it is. If a province wants to leave and they have the entitlement to leave uh, CPP, uh, the, there's an asset transfer that uh, is to be calculated. And according to that legislation, uh, as it states right now, the asset transfer is is uh, is computed by adding up all the past contributions, subtracting off all the benefits paid out uh, to Albertans, uh, which who could be living in other provinces, not just in Alberta, when they retire. Um, and of course, uh, and uh, and you subtract off administrative costs, uh, and then you use a uh, and then uh, Alberta has a, a share of the investment returns uh, that are associated with that. And what LifeWorks. Uh, mentioned in the report that if you kind of took literally the legislation, um, actually Alberta would be entitled to $660 billion, or, uh, if I recall the number, uh, and not, not the number that they gave, but they said, no, what we're going to do is we will calculate the net amounts. In other words, for every year, calculate the contributions, subtract off the benefits and the administ- and Alberta's share of the administrative costs and, and, uh, and the share of uh, investment returns. And uh, and that came up to three hundred and forty billion, and it simply just it does tell you that Alberta has been uh, a major contributor to keeping the CPP afloat, uh, and that's really uh, what you should be gaining from the calculation. You mentioned the report and the legislation, and, and the legislation by all accounts. I mean, Trevor Toom, Michael LaDuke uh, of the CPP, a couple of economists that have worked on this file have said, you know, that formula is really vague. In fact, in the LifeWorks report, Jack, and as you know, you read the report, they're not 100% certain on what the final estimate could be. They give two possible outcomes because there is a lot of um, unknown in there. There will be negotiation. It's, it's impossible to arrive at, at, a, at a set number. Well, first of all, uh, I think, you know, let's not exaggerate <laughs> what, uh, what the consequences are. I mean, first of all, uh, the biggest issue is about how you, how you deal with the investment returns. And, uh, and what LifeWorks using this net calculation, uh, you know, taking net contributions year by year, uh, uh, one can criticize it because, 
what it suggests is that let's say if a province like New Brunswick uh, wanted to leave uh, CPP, they would they would have been net beneficiaries. So they actually would have had a negative number under the LifeWorks approach. In fact, most of the provinces were net beneficiaries under CPP, where they paid less contributions relative to the benefits they received, and so they would actually have negative numbers. So uh, when Trevor Tome, for example, said, "Well, you know, if you put Ontario and Alberta together, then you know." It's, it's you know it's all of CPP's uh, assets, but we, you know there are there were provinces that actually were net beneficiaries. So, you know the, you know that's that's really the implication of the of the calculation. Now there are there is a you know another approach, and I think it's because the where the legislation is not clear is how you calculate the sheriffs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say uh, you know LifeWorks used a what they said was a conservative approach, so they wouldn't get such a big number. Um, but you could also take another approach, which is to say, we'll just take the share of contributions and, uh, and, and calculate the investment returns based on that, as well as the administrative costs. Um, and regardless, though, nobody has the actual numbers, because right. what you need is a very detailed analysis of every Albertan, uh, where they worked, uh, when they worked in Alberta, uh, so that Alberta would actually be responsible for some of their benefits, uh, and um, and you would have to uh, count. You would also have to calculate uh, where the per, you know uh, who moved into the province as well, because uh, their benefits might be covered uh, by CPP. Uh, as this is the kind of arrangement that's currently with Quebec, uh, you know, under the under yeah, the CPP yeah. and the QPP. So uh, no one has has that data on interprovincial migration. Uh, that requires very specialized, detailed data. Uh, and I think that until, you know, LifeWorks did try to say that, well, we, you know, we, we looked at the interprovincial data from Statistics Canada, and we think that it doesn't have a huge impact. But, you know, I think we need to study that a lot better. And I think we'll probably get uh, a Canada Pension Plan, which is the government, actually, not the Canada Inve- uh, Pension Plan Investment Board, but frankly should have kept its mouth quiet because it doesn't do policy. It only It's only the investment manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the Kane the government, uh, through the department, I guess, of... Uh, of, um, of uh, you know, uh, you know the, uh, the social, you know, economic and social development. Uh, they they will they will probably do their calculation, and then it's going to be, you know, an argument between Alberta and and um, and the federal government about you know what should be the numbers. Uh, but I think there's actually more research that's needed before we come to the final number. But it, it maybe it'll be, you know, uh, instead of three hundred and forty billion dollar transfer, maybe it'll be. You know, twenty two hundred and fifty billion dollar t- transfer, whatever the number, will we'll, we need to get it settled for sure, uh, and that that will be a very important uh, negotiation point. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that 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 is absolutely fundamental to taking one step forward on this and that's the question like you say you admit the numbers we don't know what the final number is going to be there's a lot of issues around that uh you mentioned the cpp they say 16 percent uh, rather than 53 percent when we don't know how can we go for well, how can we ask this question jack how can we say to albertans do you think this is a good idea well, and it's like well what's the starting point oh we don't know no first of all i think the 16 percent number is ridiculous i mean it's not well, even most people think the 53 percent number is even more ridiculous no, no, I, I totally disagree with you, uh, because really you have to, I'm going by the current legislation. I'm not going by a number that is based on Alberta's share of the CPP population, which is not what the legislation right. says in terms of how you determine the asset transfer. So that number is completely bogus. It's not even a starting point, unless the, unless the government 
unless you know the federal government changes the legislation to change to determine the asset transfer in a completely mm-hmm. different way than what the legislation currently says. But what the current legislation says is that you add up the contributions, you subtract off the benefits, and that's why Alberta has been a huge contributor to CPP over the years. We, you know, and that's the answer. And so they are entitled to a large asset transfer. Uh, and, and what the exact number will be, I think we'll see uh, through some more calculations mm-hmm. and analysis. Uh, than than uh, than what we've seen, but I think that uh, I think the point is is it's going to still be a pretty large number in terms of that asset transfer. When we talk about and like you say, you know, we, we Alberta doesn't pay anything to the CPP. Albertans do, but they're Canadians, and all Canadians pay the same rate. So it's all based on demographics, right? And if you go to the Quebec pension plan, they went into it because they were in a similar position to what Alberta is right now, saying, "Listen, our population's young. We're paying more than we're. It wouldn't work out for us. We'll do it on our own." Now, fast forward from 1965 to modern day, they're actually paying more because the demographics and the economic realities changed. Um, it might work today. Are you concerned that 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, demographics have changed in Alberta, and we know the economic conditions in Alberta change, you know, overnight sometimes. Maybe we're in a much different position, and this is not a good idea. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's a fair point, but I should say that LifeWorks actually uh, was very careful in that. They assumed that Alberta would actually go to the Canadian average in terms of age dependency. So, in other words, it wouldn't have the younger population anymore. Uh, and I think that was, if I recall, was around uh, 2052 that would start happening. So, uh, so actually, that's, um, you know, they, they took a pretty conservative uh, view of that. They also did a number of scenarios to show how much the, you know, the uh, payroll tax would change uh, under different assumptions, like different, you know, changes in, uh, you know, in, um, you know, growth rates and, and things like that. So, so there was work that was done. And so, you know, it's, it's certainly what it still shows is that it's uh, still a pretty good deal for Alberta. In the Quebec case, I think it's, it's not just the demographics that, that hurt the QPP. And that's true because Quebec's uh, fertility rate dropped a lot. And there was an aging, there's an aging uh, issue that's happened in Quebec. But you have to remember the, the case, the, the poll, which has managed the funds in Quebec, um, was actually uh, one of its goals was to support industries in Quebec. And in fact, uh, they supported industries with rather poor rates of return. And in fact, the management of the funds was not as, uh, as successful as, let's say, the Canada Pension Plan uh, has been as a manager because Canada Pension Plan does not have that um, responsibility of trying to, uh, to support Canadian industry. They just try to maximize the returns given the risks that are involved. Uh, which is which is the sort of uh, rule right now that AIMCO, uh, the Alberta investment manager, uh, currently has as well. Um, at the end of your piece, and I found it most interesting, and probably um, the underlying point to all of this, you you move away from you know the the benefits, the pluses, the minuses, to actually having an Alberta pension plan created versus the CPP, and you talk about this being uh, another lever of irritation that the province can pull when they're having climate policy negotiations with Ottawa. Hey, listen, if you want if you want peace when it comes to the pension, help us out on the climate file. So, I mean, when you break it down, Jack, is that really ultimately what this is all about? It's not so much about a pension, but it's about throwing more sand in the gears of uh, Alberta-Ottawa relations. Uh, no, I think I think the way to uh, I think it's kind of based on my past experience. I was around the table at the federal level when uh, when Canada Pension Plan was uh, reformed in 1997, uh, and in order to get an agreement, basically uh, at that time Ontario particularly opposed 
raising payroll taxes. And so uh, what happened is that Ontario uh, was convinced to sign the deal in the end uh, by getting a whole bunch of concessions on other issues. It was a side letter, you know, with about 10 items that were given, you know, that uh, that Ontario was looking for that was completely uh, unrelated to the Canada Pension Plan uh, that uh, that made the deal. The same thing happened when uh, the Wynn government in Ontario tried to develop, uh, propose the Ontario Retirement um, uh, Pension Plan, which was an add-on to the to the Canada Pension Plan, the federal government was very concerned about having different pension benefits across the country. It affects mobility and has a number of economic distortions, and and so they worked very hard to try to, uh, you know, uh, get get rid of that plan. And they did that uh, by getting all the provinces on side to expand the Canada Pension Plan. And I'm sure I don't know what side deals were made to make to get the deal mm-hmm. done. Uh, but I'm sure there were some uh, that, uh, that got everybody on board. Uh, and I think the same thing here. You know, there, there are some negatives from a national point of view of having a, a different, uh, you know, for Alberta to be on its own, uh, like Quebec. Um, and, and uh, you know, and, and one could make an argument that the federal government should not let uh, CPP, you know, disintegrate any further uh, than um, than what we already have, given that Quebec is is on its own. Uh, although it does, Quebec, uh, by the way, part of the agreement, Quebec has, does keep benefits the same as the rest of Canada, and I think Alberta should do the same, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, but um, uh, but I think that uh, you know, in 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 life, there's always deals that could be made uh, politically. Uh, and if the federal government really wants to keep uh, Alberta in the Alberta, you know, in the Canada Pension Plan, I think that uh, I think there are are deals to be made. But part of it is to get rid of the irritation uh, that's been going on for many years now, in which Alberta uh, has been, um, you know, has been poorly consulted, uh, uh, unrealistic targets uh, given on climate change as an example. But there's been other issues too that uh, that uh, Alberta has has not had very good support from the Trudeau government and and has been a, a serious sore uh in in the relationship between the, the two levels of government and and I suspect that you know a, a, a federal government that was more willing to negotiate uh, on a number of issues could keep Alberta in the Canada Pension Plan. Um, okay, uh, Jack, we, we could talk about this uh, for a lot longer, but unfortunately, I'm out of time. I do appreciate you being here today, though. Thank you so much.